Hello, my rebels. Today, I take you through my observations on day one under Trudeau's form of martial law. Is the country any different now that our civil liberties have been infringed? I'll show you some cases where it is different and some where it's not, some where it's better and some where it's worse. That's today's show. Before I get to it, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. It's eight bucks a month. That's access to our paywalled stuff. That's the video version of my daily podcast. Weekly shows by a whole bunch of other folks, Sheila Gunn-Reed, David Menzies, Andrew Chapados, Nat and Kat have a new show too. So there's a lot of value there. It's just eight bucks a month. Go to rebelnewsplus.com and click subscribe. It's also an important way to help us stay independent. We don't take a dime of money from Trudeau. So we really rely on you. That's just, that's just uh, rather... Uh, RebelNewsPlus.com. All right, here's today's podcast. Hey, how's life under martial law treating you? It's February 15th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon oh, consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say is government the why is because it's my bloody right to do so. Well, I woke up today and I drove to work, and I thought, what does the world look like under a form of martial law? There are not soldiers in our streets, but it is... The modern version of the War Measures Act, the Emergencies Act, driving to work, the world looked no different. And I don't think most people even notice that we're in a civil liberties emergency. I think that's because there actually isn't a national emergency. There is no sharp, acute, dramatic problem that needed to be solved, and thus no solution to it is needed or felt. Um, by the way, I think we're numbed to emergencies these days. We've been told that we're in a perpetual emergency every two weeks, really, for two years. So I think if there actually were a national crisis, a genuine insurrection, mass riots, some foreign army, we would notice that, and then the solution to it would be noticed and appreciated. When the FLQ crisis was in Canada 52 years ago, people actually did feel a fear of foreign-funded terrorism, the FLQ. I think one of the reasons the world didn't look much changed today is because there is no emergency, and so the solution doesn't seem to have a problem. Ottawa, the city of Ottawa, still looks the same other than the police chief quit. But why did he quit and not the mayor or the prime minister, why is it always the paid staffer and not the political boss who pays the price? Now, I have to say I'm glad he's gone. His press conference and his tweets about the truckers were completely unacceptable. Here, here's a reminder. Uh, here's a press conference version that was also parceled out in 20-odd tweets. We have increased ability to identify and target protesters and supporters of protesters who are funding and enabling unlawful and harmful activity by the protesters themselves. 
Investigative evidence gathering teams are collecting financial, digital, vehicle registration, driver identification, insurance status, and other related evidence that will be used in prosecutions. Every unlawful act, including traffic and insurance violations, will be fully pursued, regardless of the origin, at any time in the future. The primary focus of each of these measures will be on the unlawful behavior connected to the ongoing demonstrations. This includes parallel and counter demonstrations. We strongly urge all demonstrators and those engaging with the demonstrators to act lawfully, peacefully, and respectfully. The hatred, the violence, the illegal acts that Ottawa residences and businesses have endured over the last week is unacceptable in any circumstance. The Ottawa Police Service and the City of Ottawa are bringing significantly greater resources to restore order, hold offenders to account, and protect our neighbourhoods. The current demonstration in the parliamentary precinct red zone remains unresolved despite significant successes in reducing the number of trucks and demonstrators while preventing riots, injuries or deaths. We take no solace in these operational successes to date. Our goal is to end the demonstration. The demonstrators in the red zone area remain highly organized, well-funded, extremely committed to resisting all attempts to end the demonstration safely. This remains, as it was from the beginning, an increasingly volatile and increasingly dangerous demonstration. There is no way that that cop wrote that speech. I don't know who wrote it for him, if it was the mayor, if it was Justin Trudeau, if it was Gerald Butts. That is not a speech that any real cop should give. He should have resigned then. He resigned today. Another notch in the belt, I guess, of the trucker convoy. Uh, in Coots, Alberta, the men wrapped up their blockade. Look at them hugging the cops. That doesn't look like a na national emergency. They just went home. There are some charges out there, and as you know, Rebel News is crowdfunding top-notch lawyers. As I like to say, if Omar Khadr, the convicted, confessed al-Qaeda terrorist, gets a lawyer, so should these men too. I see that the RCMP um, put out this tweet of the violent military cell that they confiscated. Now, I admit this sure looks bad to city folks, especially in Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal, who have never seen a gun. But if you look at that, that's really what you would expect to find in pretty much any country home in Canada, a rural farm or a ranch. Uh, those guns look pretty scary because some of them are black and some of them have camouflage, but they're really hunting rifles. Almost all of them are just little 22s. Uh, those are not bulletproof vests. They can have armor plating in them, but they don't. The RCMP claimed they're bulletproof vests. Those look like a lot of bullets, but not really. I think that this was designed to scare Toronto-centric media who don't really understand a lot about how the other half lives. I keep thinking of this tweet from Marika of uh, the Globe and Mail who saw a little weight on the bottom of a... Of a uh, crane and thought it was a wrecking ball. So that's the kind of expertise the RCMP counts on in the media party. 
Uh, but nonetheless, this violent cell, and maybe it is, we'll find out when the facts are out. That's why the truckers went home. They didn't want to be associated with any violence, not because of the emergency act and certainly not because of the cops. You saw them hugging. The truckers just wanted to distance themselves from that. So that's what the world looked like today. The truckers had their win. The Ottawa chief is gone. And um, the coward, Doug Ford, now says, hey, guys, I never really believed in a vaccine mandate. No, sir. No, no, not me. Why would you ever say that? You know, you, you, can, go to, you can go to Costco, you can go to Walmart, you can go shopping. You know, you don't know if the person has a shot beside you or not. But we also know that it doesn't matter if you have one shot or ten shots. You can catch COVID. See, the prime minister has triple shots, and I, I know hundreds of people with three shots that caught COVID. We just have to be careful. We've got to always make sure we wash our hands and, and move forward. But, Colin, we can't stay in this position forever. we got to learn to live with this and get on with our lives. I bet if I asked every single person in this room, do you want these damn masks or do you want them off? They want them off. They want to get back to normal. They want to be able to go for dinner with their families. And there's every single person, including myself, knows people that are unvaccinated. You know, sure, there's there's the rebel rousers, and then there's just hardworking people that just don't believe in it. And, and that's their choice. This is about, again, their democracy and freedoms and liberties. And I, I hate, as a government, telling anyone what to do. We just got to get moving forward and, and get out of this and protect the jobs. You know, we're, I think a lot of people call them, probably yourself too, everyone's done with us. Like, we are done with it. Let's let's start moving on and cautiously and, you know, we, we've, we've followed the rules, all of us, like 90% of us, for, for over two years. The world's done with it. So, let's just move forward. Everyone is gaslighting you now. Everyone is pretending they had nothing to do with any of it these past two years. No, no, no. Please forget everything they've said and done for two years, done to you, done to your business, done to your family, even Jason Kenney, the imprisoner of more Christian pastors in communist China. He's talking about his own actions in the third person as in, who did these terrible things? He keeps on saying these damaging rules, these damaging orders. That's a Trudeau way of talking as if you're a third person a passive observer as opposed to the guy who did the damage. I remind you, though, that Pastor Arthur Pavlovsky is still in prison in solitary confinement today. And the Jason Kenney, despite saying the vaccine passport's over, is still providing QR codes and the government database to support uh, vaccine passports in private companies. Jason Kenney has not taken his foot off of the neck of freedom in Alberta. But boy, he wants you to think he has because he sees the reckoning coming. These truckers have done more for our freedom than anyone else in two years. Which brings us to the real purpose of the Emergencies Act. It wasn't to solve a true national emergency. It was to solve a political emergency. These truckers are the natural heirs to the Yellow Vest movements of France. Remember them? They were a grassroots movement of truckers and other motorists who were opposed to the carbon tax and other government rules and regulations. It was grassroots and it was out of control by the fancy people. And of course, the response back then was to deem Yellow Vests a symbol of hatred. Well, they've done the same thing to the truckers, but 
boy, have the truckers ever changed the world. The truckers are so visual. A convoy of trucks is impressive. The idea is spreading. Here it is in Israel. There are plans for trucking convoys in America. I'm getting emails from people in California about a huge convoy planned for that state. I wonder if it's any coincidence that that state is removing its mask rules and its other rules as quickly as possible. They don't want to be hit by a truck. It truly is an international movement, but not a globalist one. Do you know the difference between international and globalist? International means it's simply in different countries. Globalist means it's a rootless global governance, undemocratic and unaccountable. These truckers are the ultimate in grassroots, authentic, organic, uncontrollable by the masters of the universe. Truckers. I mean, they can't really be canceled by big tech, can they? When they speak or when they drive, they can't be deleted by YouTube. But I guess they sort of can be. The trucks that have been parked in Ottawa have been doxxed. Do you know what that means? That their personal details, people have been looking up the names of the companies whose trucks they work for and emailing their employers and complaining and calling insurance companies. They've even had a website revealing personal information, harassing these truckers. That's what the caring left does to peaceful protests. The give-send-go crowdfunding engine that was used by the truckers after GoFundMe canceled the first crowdfunding effort. They were hacked very quickly and very professionally, and the entire list of donors was published online. Stolen private information, and it was made public to everyone. Isn't that funny? Right before Christia Freeland announced that she was going to punish those donors, the harassment of those donors was done in an orchestrated campaign. And now I see the CBC, Trudeau State Broadcasters, getting in on it too. They have taken the stolen hacked data and they're literally emailing everyone who donated, naming and shaming the insurrectionists and serving them up to Christia Freeland. I probably received 100 emails today from people being targeted from Trudeau's CBC state broadcaster. It's not journalism what they're doing. It's acting as a stalking horse for Trudeau. And for Freeland, just a reminder, here's what she says she'll do to anyone who donated money to the truckers. As of today, a bank or other financial service provider will be able to immediately freeze or suspend an account without a court order. In doing so, they will be protected against civil liability for actions taken in good faith. Federal government institutions will have a new broad authority to share relevant information with banks and other financial service providers to ensure that we can all work together to put a stop to the funding of these illegal blockades. This is about following the money. This is about stopping the financing of these illegal blockades. We are today serving notice. If your truck is being used in these illegal blockades, your corporate accounts will be frozen. 
the insurance on your vehicle will be suspended. Send your semi-trailers home. The Canadian economy needs them to be doing legitimate work, not to be illegally making us all poorer. No court process, no appeal, no legal rights, having your property taken because the government gave the banks their enemies list. The New York Times said this was a violation of civil liberties. Rosemary Barton, Trudeau's main gal at the Ottawa office of the CBC, immediately tweeted to the New York Times, there was no civil liberties violated here. Sorry, are you acting as a journalist now? Are you acting as Trudeau's platonic girlfriend now? Or are you acting in some partisan role like you did when you sued the Conservative Party of Canada in the 2019 election in the middle of the campaign? I don't know, but I don't think anyone can honestly say that the CBC are journalists. There's a world of difference between a journalist, no adjective, and a government journalist. If there's any adjective on the word journalist, you're not really a journalist, Rosemary. So what's going on here? I don't think there was a national emergency, certainly not one that needed the suspension of civil liberties. It's not about solving any policing problem. Police have the tools they need. It's about the completion of Chinese-style social credit systems, a national health database, and a national financial database combined with your political point of view. We already know that the government illegally tracked millions of cell phone users without any lawful authority. The privacy commissioner said so. They're combining these things. In the period of the national emergency, when civil liberties and government oversight are reduced, they will connect the database during the suspension of our rights. And once connected, once the database is there, they're never going to delete it. <laughs> They'll probably leak it to the internet before they delete it. It will combine everything about you, your health information, your home details that could be doxxed, your email and digital footprint, all the things that Ottawa police chiefs said they were collecting on you. Now they're going to associate it with your political tastes, and now you have Chinese-style social credit. Will they come for you? <laughs> well, if they do, they'll probably come for me first. And maybe they will come for me. You know, today is the seventh birthday of Rebel News. Seven years we've been doing this. We started off in my living room, and now look at us, 52 employees in four countries, million and a half subscribers on YouTube, hundreds of thousands more on other platforms. I think we are the leading media entity covering the trucker rebellion. That's why they hate us so much. You'll notice that Christia Freeland's fury was dedicated towards crowdfunding. Well, who do you think crowdfunds their company? Well, we do. I don't know what the future holds for us. Justin Trudeau has always admired tyrants like Fidel Castro and communist China. We actually haven't raised any funds for the truckers. We've raised funds for lawyers to defend the civil liberties of all Canadians, including truckers, and as you know, 2,000 other people 
who got lockdown tickets over the last two years. Arthur Pavlovsky being one of them. I believe that Rebel News complies with the law. We're actually extremely compliant. We assume we're being investigated all the time. We're probably being spied on by the government. We are, in many ways, the most effective opposition force to the government today. I don't think you can honestly say the Conservative Party of Canada has fulfilled that role ably for the last two years. And although there are a few other small independent media companies in this country that we very much admire, Rebel News is simply the largest. On some days we have people in nine or ten different cities giving you raw footage of what's happening on the convoy. Simply put, if there was one voice that Christia Freeland and Justin Trudeau wanted to silence, I think it would be ours. But I can tell you, we will not go quietly. We will not go easily. We got plenty of lawyers, and we've conducted ourselves perfectly legally. And if Christia Freeland and Justin Trudeau attempt to use their suspension of civil liberties to silence our independent journalism and our pro bono financing of civil liberties lawyers across the country, they will bite off more than they can chew, and we will fight to the end. Everything we've done in the past seven years has prepared us for this moment. I give you my promise on that. Stay with us for more. Welcome back. Well, there are not many journalists in Canada who aren't on the payroll of Justin Trudeau. It's just a fact that more than 99% of journalists either work for the state broadcaster, the CBC, or work for a media outlet that takes funds from Trudeau in the form of a bailout. I think that's one of the reasons why Trudeau has not been checked. The media often acts as a balance to power. Not in Canada, they act as an augmentation and emphasis of power. Often we rely on foreign media to criticize Trudeau. Our domestic media just won't. And never has this been more clear than with the case of the Truckers' Rebellion, where the state broadcaster, but also the rest of the media party, has been demanding a violent crackdown on the truckers. I'm shocked by some of the things I read. And the media has been cheering on the suspension of civil liberties. I'm delighted today to introduce you to and to interview one of the few independent journalists left in Canada. He's a Montrealer named David Fryheit. Online, he goes by Viva Fry. He's a lawyer, a vlogger, and he's our guest right now. David, great to see you and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I, Ezra, I still don't consider myself a journalist. I'm just a guy with a camera who wants to know the truth and understand what's going on. Well, that is the working definition of journalism. It's an activity. It's not a profession. I mean, you need to pass an exam. You need to be under the authority of, a, you know, a college of physicians and surgeons or, a you know, law society to be a doctor or a lawyer. But a journalist is someone who just tells the daily news. And, and I think you are a journalist. And I think you're an unfettered one because you don't take the dough from the government. So first, let's start off by, by talking about what you saw, because you were on the streets of Ottawa for days 
three, four hour stints of live streaming, you really showed more of what was happening on the ground than the entire daily output of the CBC, for example. You were just showing people the raw facts. It, as well, I mean, th well, I'll show you what I've got here. These are my battery packs, color coded, so I know which ones uh, are expired. And I've been just plugging them into my phone and live streaming in real time just to see what's going on. I, you know, over the weekend, the first weekend, I didn't make it down. And people were telling me, you have to go down, see what's going on. I was reading what was going on, coming from the CBC, coming from whomever. And then I hear what's going on from people who are there. And I say, it, these, these two realities are mutually incompatible. They, they, they cannot be both existing at the same time. So I say, I'm going down Monday. I'm going to live stream, see if I see any Nazi flags, any Confederate flags, any acts of violence. And if I see them, the world will see it in real time because I'm live streaming and I cannot cut, edit, nor would I want to. So the first day, I think I did like four and a half hours, maybe five hours, just streaming, just walking, talking to people. It was the diametric opposite of what the CBC, of what, uh, I don't want to name others who I'm not sure actually are guilty of this, of what the other legacy Canadian media were describing as going on there. Mm -hmm. We heard reports of monuments being defaced, urine and other waste on the war memorial, the Terry Fox monument being vandalized. And I, could, I, I swear to you, I, not only did I not see any of it, the Terry Fox had flowers at the base of it. The war memorial had veterans watching guard over it, shoveling the snow, salting the sidewalk, uh, because apparently the city wasn't doing it. People were dancing, people were loving. It was multicultural. It was women, men, uh, indigenous people, black people. I, I interviewed someone from Kuwait. Everything that the media had been saying about this protest was an absolute fabrication. And but for the fact that I went down to see it with myself, I might not have known that. Wow. I mean, a lot of establishment icons have tumbled because of this convoy. Aaron O'Toole was one of the first to go I, because of his refusal to even communicate with them. Uh, incredibly, the resignation of the Ottawa police chief, I think, is directly a result of the convoy. Um, there's a lot of things that have happened. Um, I think the media party's reputation has been devastated by their false coverage of this, but they don't know it yet. Like the, the police chief in Ottawa, he knows what happened. Aaron O'Toole, he knows what happened. The various premiers who have said, all right, we're ending our vaccine passports, they know what happened. But so far, the legacy media, the corporate media, the media party, whatever you want to call it, they don't know what happened to them. They're, they're in denial. That's what I think. What do you think? Well, I, they're still getting paid. They're still getting government subsidies. They're still getting those sweet, sweet COVID ad dollars. So I, I don't think they felt it yet, but I think they know that their legacy, for lack of a better word, is in decline. But the, I mean, they know it from the reactions they get on the street. I, there is a part of me that thinks like they're like Principal Skinner out of The Simpsons. Like, is it me that's the problem? No, no, no. Everyone else is out of touch. Yeah. Uh, they, they don't get abused. They don't get accosted. They don't get assaulted. They're allowed to do their jobs by the crowd themselves, but they do get heckled and they do have people saying, you guys are we, we fake news. We don't want to even want to talk to you. Yeah. Uh, but I think they have to know that their influence is flailing and, and failing and that they're not appreciated by the general public. I had the good uh, fortune of seeing a CBC journalist and I just asked him a few questions. Like I said, I asked him, do you think you put out uh, slanted news? And he says, no, I, we don't. I don't think we do. And it was, I don't know if the, if the individual was being honest, sincere with me or with themselves, but I think they're starting to know it. 
certainly from the reaction they get from the crowd, despite the violent extremist nature of this protest, these what we call fake news media outlets are still allowed to do their interviews on the street. Yeah. But you see what they're doing in real time. They pick on individuals who they know are going to reflect poorly on the group. Yeah. They single them out. They do interviews with them. And then they portray that as being the rule of the convoy as opposed yeah. to the exception. But also, I think I think they know they're failing. And, yeah. I, and I hope they do. And I hope they know that they deserve it. You know, uh, yesterday was the imposition of the Emergencies Act. Uh, and emergency legislation that was not even deployed on 9-11, was not even deployed when the ISIS terrorists stormed Parliament in 2014. Um, and yet last night just was the night that the Canadian Association of Journalists had a panel discussion, not on civil liberties in an age of emergency lockdowns, but versus, you know, the media versus the convoy, like how hard it has been for them to be heckled. Like... In their mind, last night, it was more important to talk about the fact that the convoy members were heckling the CBC and CTV than to talk about the Emergency Act and the Civil Liberties Abrogation. Like that, the, the narcissism, the solipsism, the self-regard, and the, the just lack of self-awareness, last night they were talking about themselves instead of the burning chart of rights incredible to me. Oh, no, Ezra, Ezra, I'll tell you this. I, I listened to CJAD 800 only to torture myself mm -hmm. to hear what, you know, the people on the other side are saying within their own silo. They had a legal expert on this morning basically saying, don't worry that the government has invoked the Emergencies Act. It can only be exercised within the confines, within the limitations of the Charter of Rights. So even though they've invoked it, they're still going to be bound by the Charter of Rights, as if we haven't just lived through two years of the federal and provincial government desecrating each and every right that is in theory guaranteed under the Charter. But you have your government-subsidized media with a presumably government-subsidized expert telling a, a, a populace, which is either willfully blind or, uh, or worse, don't worry, they're going to uh, restrict your freedoms in a manner that's consistent with the Charter of Rights on an emergency basis. And that's good enough for the CJAD because you don't want to bite the hand that, that, that finances you. And the journalists themselves, they are not in a position to criticize this because they are dependent on the very same government that is invoking these emergency measures for their financing, for their livelihood. So obviously, you got you got to talk about something else. Yeah. Well, you're not just a, a video journalist and you're not just a, a commentator on the news. You are a lawyer and one of the uh, special uh values that you bring to your shows is you chew over the legal news. And there's always legal news going on in Canada and the United States. I'd like to hear your thoughts on the invocation of the Emergencies Act. I, I did sort of a rough run through of some of the problems on yesterday's show, but uh, I'm guessing you've gone through it more meticulous than me. Uh, what? Give me your reaction to the invocation of the modern version of the War Measures Act. It's nothing but a sick joke. It, it, there's nothing in there that could possibly meet the criteria necessary for invoking the act. I mean, it's it's got to be national security, na a, a national emergency, uh, not a protest in Ottawa, which even if you think it's illegal, even if you think it's paralyzing a portion of the city, could not by anyone's wildest dreams uh, justify invoking this Emergency Measures Act, which is... It's the most, it's the extreme of the extreme laws. I mean, it, it, 
many of us probably didn't even know it existed because we didn't know these laws existed until you learn that they exist and then you read them and you read the powers that it gives and the power to basically prevent any 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 exercise of constitutional rights even though they say don't worry we're not bringing in the military it was pretextual to have brought it in the pretext which is itself provided by a fully subsidized media to the government that has de de depicted this protest as something violent and extremist as a national threat, which it isn't. But the fact that it's invoked now, at this point, after three weeks of this protest, if this were such a national crisis, three weeks later, we'd be feeling the outright devastation of it, not seeing protesters literally shoveling the streets and salting the sidewalks. Mm -hmm. They invoked the blockade at um, the Ambassador Bridge, which I can understand is an economic issue, does it threaten national security, sovereignty, or the body public, the body uh, political body as required by this law? Absolutely not, especially since the blockade had ended by the time uh, Trudeau invoked the Emergency Measures Act. This is, it's a flex. It's a, it, I think it's a devastatingly dumb flex because I think it's going to bite Trudeau in the butt. I, I was just watching some live debates in Parliament. I think it's biting in the butt already. Hmm. But it's just, a, it's an absolute abuse. But it's an absolute abuse that we can expect from Trudeau, who more than anything else in his governance wants to continue with this emergency so that we do not talk about his corruption, his ineptitude, his ethics violations, his his absolute inability to lead a nation. This is what he wants to talk about. And the only way is keep fabricating the idea that there's an emergency and just appreciate Ezra. They didn't even invoke this during the ice storm of 1996 or 98. I forget when it was when in Quebec. We were out of electricity, some of us, for three weeks, if not more. People were freezing in their homes. The province itself could did not have the resources to respond to that, didn't declare it then. They declare it because of a protest block party that's been lasting a little too long and embarrassing Trudeau a little too much on the international scale. So Trudeau, the hurt man that he is, tries to go out and hurt more people because, like they say, hurt men hurt men. Um, I, he's made it's a, it's a monumental blunder. And it's going to come back to bite him in the butt. But it's, it's just abuse of law that you would expect from a petty tyrant. You know, some folks have said to me, well, what's going to happen now? Is Trudeau going to use these emergency powers to go and physically attack or, or root out these truckers? And my, my response, I'd like your thoughts on this, is no. They don't need additional powers to move trucks. Like, as you just pointed out, the Ambassador Bridge was cleared by local top cops with no violence. It, it ended peacefully. And, you know, it, it it was an inconvenience for a couple of days. It's true. But it ended peacefully with local cops. There are local cops who could take care of any. I mean, and, and the Coots blockade ended peacefully, too. Um, Trudeau didn't do this so he could add more muscle. The cops have enough muscle to deal with it. They either choose not to or, or there's no crimes being committed. Here's my theory. The trucker rebellion is the pretext. The purpose, the real essence of it is what Christia Freeland detailed, getting the financial information of anyone who supported this peaceful opposition to Trudeau, anyone who chipped into the crowdfunding campaign, getting an enemies list of 100,000 people and marking them as potential terror threats, bringing in a Chinese-style social credit ranking system for people who dared to stand up to Trudeau. To me, that's the center of it. There's, it's not the problem on the street that he's going to solve on the street. 
it's what well, he can I do think, through the banks. Go ahead. You're 100 percent correct. In fact, I mean, one of the one of the criteria or is a criterion for implementing the emergency measures, the Emergencies Act is that the federal is coming in to supplement where the provincial does not have the means to deal with the emergency, which is obviously not the case in Ottawa. It might be that local just don't want to enforce anything or don't want to tow the trucks or, or cause a conflict with the truckers. But it's not like the provinces don't have the measures such that the Emergencies Act should be implemented to supplement. Um, and when Trudeau comes in and during his speech dangles that little shiny lure and says, hey, look over here, we're not calling in the military, don't worry. And in the minds of most people, whew, what, what a relief. We're not going to see armed military men in the streets. But uh, also Christian Freeland comes in and says, yeah, we're going to be able to authorize and in some cases instruct banks to seize or freeze bank accounts or stop doing business with people, with personal accounts who we think are participating in this convoy, uh, by the way, without a court order and while immunizing the banks for doing it, that in my mind, I'm watching this and I was like, holy cow, I don't care about military men in the street. I care about that because you don't need to execute someone in the street when you can suffocate them to death or starve them quietly behind closed doors by freezing their bank accounts with no court order and immunity, effectively no oversight. That is what they were testing to do. I think, I, I, I hope to goodness that they never actually get to implement that. And I hope to goodness that they suffer the political uh, consequences that they deserve for this gambit. But that was the test there. And my 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 true, uh, what I'm depressed about is that a lot of people just don't appreciate it. And they think, yeah, I don't like the truckers. So yeah, go ahead and freeze their assets, seize their trucks, cancel their insurance, crush them financially as though any government in the future could not just do this on anybody, teachers unions, uh, workers unions, any political opponents, call them illegal, qualify them as terrorists, and then invoke the Emergency Measures Act because that's the precedent that Justin Trudeau and his henchman, uh, Christina Fre Christia Freeland, just tried to establish. And I just hope they get struck down and politically punished for this. Yeah, I mean, give, send, go, which was the second crowdfunding engine used by the truckers, was hacked. Oh, isn't that uh, convenient that that list of tens of thousands of names um, has been circulated widely? And now Christia Freeland says that her government will, quote, share information with the banks and expect them to freeze or seize. It's, a, it's pretty convenient how that all worked out. But I, I think in any other instance, if the government collected an enemies list like that, it would violate some privacy laws. I mean, this is hacked, stolen personal data. And in any other instance, if the government said, here's people we're, we, we don't like and gave it to the bank, the bank would have some sort of duty to its customers, some sort of procedural fairness. But here, the government is literally saying, we're going to give you information. If you act on it, thanks. If you don't act on it, we're going to direct you to act on it. And even if it's really bad that you do, we'll protect you from lawsuits for your badness because... This is just how we roll. It's it really is. I mean, that is a dictionary definition of. Uh, it's of, a dictionary definition of fascism. I mean, that's what it, it is. is. It, 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 it really is. Mussolini fascism. And it's it's just like you, the idea of immunizing uh, institutions for their conduct. I mean, w w government doesn't deserve immunity for their conduct. I appreciate that they have it to facilitate governance. But to give it to banking institutions, to give it to big pharma, and then to say, go ahead and do what you want on the civilian population, you're immune. 
I mean, you, you got to someone has to have their head examined to think that that's appropriate and an indication of transparency as opposed to an indication of absolute uh, corruption. Yeah. But okay, I, I just hope they never get around to actually or approving these measures. I hope these measures get shut down because my understanding of the Emergencies Act is that any directives or measures that they want to implement nonetheless have to get voted on. So even though they said it, I think they do have to try to vote on that and they don't just get to implement it as of yesterday. And I just hope it gets shut down the way it should and that these politicians get uh, the political retribution that they deserve and that politicians going forward learn that this is not how you govern in a democracy. The world is watching. And I can tell you that the world is absolutely laughing at Canada while Canadians are suffering under this regime. Well, I am less optimistic than you. I think this will take hold. I think Trudeau doesn't care about public reaction. I mean, why would he? He has the power. Jagmeet Singh has confirmed his support for all this. Uh, the media are already using kid gloves. He doesn't mind their rage uh, for those who are opposed to it. He's always admired Banana Republic type dictators like Castro. And, you know, he's I mean, he just always has loved authoritarian figures. I think that Trudeau will not want to end this in 30 days. And even if he does, I think he'll do so much damage before those 30 days are up. He'll have his enemies lists. He'll have put a black mark on tens or perhaps hundreds of thousands on people's commercial social credit. I think that we're in uncharted territories here, but I, I hope that you and I can keep in touch on this because I, I love the fact that you're on the ground reporting and I love the fact that you're following the debates in the House of Commons and doing an illegal analysis. So uh, let me uh, uh, toot your horn for a second. Uh, the main channel is called Viva Fry. Tell me about your other channels that people should be subscribing to. Well, so now I've, I had the, uh, when I ran for the PPC, I set up a separate YouTube channel, which now I'm turning into Eclipse, so that people, if you can't watch four and a half hours of live streaming mm -hmm. from Ottawa, I put up some clips of some highlight interviews, the moments that I think define the protest. That's called Viva Clips. I got a totally separate channel called Viva Family, which is just random stuff. Um, but on Twitter, the Viva Fry, which is just Viva Fry with a V in front of it. And uh, Robert Barnes and I, who do these weekly streams where we discuss legal stuff, not just in Canada, but uh, uh, in the United States as well, on Locals. It's called vivabarneslaw.locals.com. And I will be heading back to Ottawa because if this goes on through the weekend, it's going to be another massive weekend of participation. And if the police... Uh, come down and start enforcing, uh, you know, certain measures. Uh, we need to have as many people there just documenting in real time what's going on so that the legacy media that is bought off and paid for by the federal government does not get to lie about it and misinform the rest of Canadians. All right, well, we'll put the links to those different channels you mentioned underneath this video so people can click on them. I'm glad you're going back to Ottawa. I think as many people with a camera as as possible. Again, I'm, I don't know if the Ottawa police are going to go and crack skulls. I don't think that's where the battlefront is. I think the front line of the battle is the financial and digital front line, but we'll see. I mean, I've been wrong a few times trying to guess things. Great to see you. Thank you very much, David. Our guest, David Freiheit from Viva Fry. Keep it up and uh, we'll be Thank watching. You. Thank you very much, Ezra. Well, nice it's a great you pleasure. Thank you. Stay with us. More ahead. saw it last night um, after I recorded my monologue, but before the monologue aired on the Ezra Levant show, 
I did a live stream for about an hour, just free flow, spontaneous commentary on what I had seen. And actually thousands of people watched it. Here are a few letters we got based on that. Bill William Jones says, watching closely from Texas, we love the true Canadians fighting for freedom. Your energy is felt worldwide. Thank you for accurately reporting the protest. Well, I appreciate that, and credit goes to our people. You know, I actually went on the Sean Hannity show on Fox last night, which has a huge audience, so I think the world is paying attention. Stretchin' Chick says, how does a country get rid of a dictatorship? Well, that's the thing. I've decided to call what Trudeau has done a sort of coup. And normally we don't think of a coup as by the people in power. Normally a coup is ousting the democratic and legitimate leader and installing someone else, often a military leader. In this case, Trudeau was the lawful prime minister of Canada, but he was quickly losing power. He was down to 16% in the polls. He was losing his own MPs. He hated what the truckers are doing. He had to stop them in some way. And so he pushed that panic button, that pulled the fire alarm, and he suspended all our, well, not all our rights, but he suspended a number of our rights, and he told us which ones. I think that is a kind of coup. The people wanted to replace the government, but the government decided to replace the people. Carol Am writes and says, my daughter recently moved to Montreal from Scotland, UK. I envied her and thought of following with other family members. Now I'm praying she will come home. Beautiful Canada. I love this country, but it's been ruined. Please, Canadians, take back your country. Ruined is a heavy word. It implies that the country lies in ruins and perhaps might not be rebuilt. I don't think the story is over yet. Uh, I think that Justin Trudeau has done something so shocking. I say again, most Canadians haven't quite realized it because there was no crisis that's being solved so they neither were aware of the problem and are not aware of the solution to the problem. But I think that enough people are seeing that Justin Trudeau is cornered and desperate and authoritarian and doesn't care about civil liberties. I think we're seeing his mask drop, and I think a lot of people will never unsee that. Well, that's our show for today. On behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, you at home, good night. And keep fighting for freedom. And let me leave you with a happier video of the day by our friend Lincoln in Ottawa, showing you the friendly face of the truckers in Ottawa. You tell me, does this look like an insurrection? Bye-bye. We are not intimidated by those who hurl insults and abuse at small business workers and steal food from the homeless. Anyone can come. We've had homeless people come here. We have a lot of homeless people. We just shared uh, a message with the homeless woman, and we're going to try to help her to find a place to live. You can be in the street. You can be in trouble. You can just need help for one day. Come over here. We'll help you. As a church, we assembled and uh, just serving coffee and hot chocolate here to whoever wants. We're a bunch of uh, massage therapists from uh, the province of Quebec, and we came here uh, to donate our time to the truckers. Lincoln J for Rebel News here in Ottawa. Now, I've been on the ground covering the truckers' convoy since the 28th of January, and I cannot express enough how peaceful an environment it is here. There's literally food being handed out 
everywhere. It doesn't matter whether you're a trucker, a supporter, a protester. If you come here and you're in need in the city of Ottawa, they will feed you. That's why it's just so hard to wrap your head around the fact that Justin Trudeau is saying that the people here are stealing food from the homeless. We are not intimidated by those who hurl insults and abuse at small business workers and steal food from the homeless. No matter what Justin Trudeau says, I'm about to show you that it is the exact opposite of what he is saying and that they are feeding anyone in need in the city of Ottawa. Let's go check it out. Let's talk to some people. As a church, we assembled and uh, just serving coffee and hot chocolate here to whoever wants. It's just amazing here to see how much love there is. Um, all the people around here, unity and everybody is just amazing. It's I would encourage everyone to come out and support it. So just to clarify, can anyone come here and receive what you're offering? Does it matter if they're a part of the protests or not? No, it's, it's open for anybody. At the end of the day, we're here to glorify God, so it is for everybody. feeding people. We're helping the homeless, the truckers, and just anyone who needs help with absolutely anything come to us. Money and everything. Anyone can come. We've had homeless people come here. We have a lot of homeless people. We just shared uh, a message with the homeless woman and we're going to try to help her to find a place to live and, and be able to get going again because she's so discouraged. We had time to pray with her and encourage her. We gave her our number and told her we, we could help her because the church is supposed to help all those who are marginalized, vulnerable and so on. So that's our job. And uh, I pray to the whole church that will wake up and come Every church will come and help here. Okay guys, do you want to just tell me what exactly uh, you're doing here? So really we're just trying to help everybody, trying to help the truckers and fighting for freedom. That's all we want is freedom, really. We've made chicken noodle soup. We work at nighttime to make it, to prepare it and bring it here. Uh, we have some hot chocolate, we have some coffee, uh, we've had people that are helping us out, that are bringing us water, that are really keeping us going so that we can continue making stuff so they're keeping everyone nice and warm so that they're all out here fighting the good fight. Nobody has to pay anything, they can contribute if they want. Whatever they're contributing to us, it gives us extra money to buy more stuff that we're lacking and whatever is extra, we give it to the truckers to help them for their fuel. Now, just to clarify, guys, you don't even have to be a part of the protest uh, supporter. You can just be a, a citizen in Ottawa that's in need, and you can come here and get something to eat. Yes. Absolutely. There's, uh, there's socks all the time that come in, shampoo, toothbrush, toothpaste. There's all kind of stuff that people come and give, and they just want to donate, so they, they leave it on the table here, table there. They just bring it to put out for people, anyone. Uh, you can be in the street, you can be in trouble, you can just need help for one day come over here we'll help you tell me what exactly is going on here what are you guys doing here so we're a bunch of uh, massage therapists from uh, the province of Quebec and we came here to donate our time to the truckers so we've been here since this morning and we plan on staying well do a rotation of therapists until um, this is over with I can't donate money so I figured the only way I could was maybe releasing a bit of tension. And this is what I do best. So yeah, I'm having fun today.